You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Bachelor and I'm joined this week by... Matt Handrahan. Rebecca Valentine. And there is plenty to talk about this week, but we'll do a quick recap of the latest, uh, the biggest headlines. Valve announced the Valve Index, a virtual reality headset planned for uh, launch later this year in the US and the EU, with plans obviously to go wider at a later date. The full kit, which includes a base station, two index controllers, and the headset itself, costs $999. Individual pieces are compatible with HTC Vive headsets, controllers, and base stations. The headset alone is going to cost $499. Uh, The controllers alone are $279, and those who already own a base station can purchase the headset and controllers together for $749 fairly hefty price tags more on that in a bit (laughs) Epic Games has acquired Rocket League developer Psyonix causing confusion over whether the popular game will continue to be sold on Steam in a statement to US Gamer Epic said we are continuing to sell Rocket League on Steam and have not announced plans to stop selling the game there Rocket League remains available for new purchases on Steam and long term plans will be announced in the future According to Waypoint, Riot employees have spoken about a walkout at the company. The current discord at the studio was stoked by last week's news that Riot wanted a number of employees' gender discrimination lawsuits moved out of the courts and into private arbitration proceedings. Riot said the employees in question signed agreements waiving their rights to sue the company when they first accepted jobs there. And finally, a little light news to uh, finish off. Intellivision Entertainment has announced that 10 of the original creators of Earthworm Jim will be making a new entry in the series exclusively for the upcoming Intellivision Amico console. Tommy Tellerico, who happens to be the Intellivision Entertainment CEO, has brought on his old pals David Perry, Nick Brucey, Mike Dietz, Tom Tanaka, Joey Curas, and Doug Tennapel. Before we dive into any of that, there seems to be some confusion about Borderlands 3 microtransactions. Rebecca, you were watching this madness unfold. Please explain. I was in person as this madness unfolded. I was in LA for their reveal event. And this all really started at at the reveal event, which it, it, it was basically the thing that we saw on Tuesday. It was the same thing that they broadcast live on Wednesday. Uh, but they were doing a gameplay reveal event. And at a particular point in that event, uh, Randy Pitchford gets up on stage, and I I don't have his exact quote in front of me, but I did go listen to it back. And the way he phrased it was he said that the game is going to eventually have DLC, and they're going to do some skins and stuff. But then he said there will be no microtransactions, none of that free-to-play stuff, or it was was something... uh, Free to free to play stuff. However, he phrased it, but he said no microtransactions really clearly. And you know, this huge cheer comes up um, when I was watching everything unfold live on Wednesday. I saw tons of people on Twitter going no microtransactions, no microtransactions. Everyone's freaking out because you know that that's a thing now. You know, people get people focus a lot on that when you have games that are going to be like ongoing, um, as we assume Borderlands Three is going to be. Um, I saw a bunch of websites running with the headline of no microtransactions. Like, I, I mean, that was the understood meaning of what he was saying. But as, as I found out when I talked to folks there and as it, it ended up circling around Game Informer's article on it, but I had multiple developers when I asked them to kind of clarify what he meant when he was talking about skins and DLC, um, they are going to have cosmetic microtransactions, they confirmed, um, they're, and they'll be paid for with real money. That's the plan. So that was in my interview. But then Game Informer ran with the headline and... The exact headline um, and the the, twi- the tweet that they did was, despite Gearbox CEO Randy Pitchford's comment about no microtransactions in Borderlands 3 during today's live stream, we've been told cosmetic items are still purchasable. 
And Randy Pitchford, like, like this is this is a fairly straightforward thing, right? Like, like he said no microtransactions. They were issuing, cl- they, they were giving clarity on his statement and what it meant. And Randy Pitchford on Twitter has spent the last 19 hours since that tweet was posted just getting very upset on Twitter about this. Uh, his initial reply to them was, come on, guys, shitty clickbait headline. Literally seconds before I said that, I made it very clear we're going to do more cosmetic stuff like we did in Borderlands 2. You know I was talking about premium currency and loot boxes kind of stuff not being in our game. And it it just went on. He continued to tweet at them all day. Um, he referred to the tweet and the person who wrote the article as a fuckwit um, on Twitter. Which wow. Was, yeah, great. Um, he also, there were, and, and he did the same thing. I mean, I, I don't have every, I don't have every one of his tweets pulled up here in front of me, but well, he, to, he went on, for the sake he, of he went the on to insult the media does. quite a bit. Yeah, no, I'm not going to read every single one of them. Yeah, he, he insul- there, there's, he insulted a, there's a lot of those tweets. Oh, yeah. He, he insulted the media a lot. He also insulted people who were replying to the Game Informer thing to defend them or you know, just fans of the game who misunderstood. Like, he, he insulted multiple people. And then he did, like, an 18-point threat. He, he just went on and on. And it, it ended up muddying the issue even more because by this morning he was saying that there, was, there were not going to be any cosmetic microtransactions currently planned. So it's just, it, it's extremely confusing. Something that could have been clarified with a very simple, straightforward PR statement turned into just this rant against the media doing their job and clarifying a statement that was made. And now everyone's confused. It was ridiculous. Uh, okay, so I, I have a question. Are there going to be cosmetic microtransactions in Borderlands? I don't know. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. I, my th- feeling is that, that okay, I, like, so I've heard you explain all of that, and I thought on two separate occasions, oh, I understand what's going on. And then all of a sudden something else came up, and so, well, I don't understand it. Clearly do I. So it doesn't seem like the sort of thing that could be sorted out by a simple statement from PR, because my initial read was at Randy Pitchford has got up on stage and he has misspoken. He has... He has used the term microtransactions to refer to stuff like loot boxes and see, and, and kind of like separated out what he deems evidently to be less offensive stuff like selling skins. I mean, skin selling is extremely common in, in all kinds of AAA games. Very few games function without it these days. Some people don't like it. Some people might be relieved to hear that they're not there. But I, I don't really see it as a huge issue on a personal level. But maybe that's what he did. But now if he's now saying there won't even be the cosmetic microtransactions and that... Clearly, we have no nobody at Gearbox or at 2K seems to know what the microtransaction policy is on that game because everybody's saying different things to each other. Right, and his his recent tweet that I think made it really confusing is he said there will be tons of cosmetic drops as free loot in Borderlands 3. Currently, there are no plans for any cosmetic DLC, but I anticipate there will be customer demand post launch, and we'll be excited to meet it. Um, and, and that. That, that was the point, that was five hours ago, where I think this got um, unsolvable by a single PR statement. I think before that, he could have, like, like, he could have responded to this issue immediately just by saying, sorry if this was confusing, to clarify there will be this or there will not be this, and just left it there, yes. and it would have been fine. And everybody would have cheered him on, because regardless of whether or not there's cosmetic microtransactions, I mean, you're right, those are fairly harmless. Most people are cool with those. They've well, been I mean, in you know, Borderlands uh, too. Like, you, yeah. you have them in Valve games. I mean, you know, you have them in games from companies that everybody loves and have less problematic CEOs than Randy Pitchford. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, this, this seems to be as much a 
Randy Pitch would handle this unbelievably badly issue as opposed to kind of a aren't AAA games going to the dogs kind of issue. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yesterday was supposed to be a big day for Borderlands 3, and everybody was supposed to be talking about how great the <laughs> gameplay was, and instead everyone was talking about what is Randy Pitchford doing? He, ma- he ended up making the day very much about him and his tweets as opposed to the game, which I think is kind of a bummer for all the other people who worked hard on the game. Yeah, it's a shame, and it's also puzzling because obviously there was that point where Game Informer, I mean, did Game Informer did seem to kind of publish an article that that doesn't reflect the way the game's going to be, right? They said there were, wouldn't no, be microtransactions, and now they are. I, I don't think that's be, true. I, I don't think that's no. true. I think I think Game Informer has the right of it because I spoke to so I spoke to two are. different developers, and I, I specifically asked them what he meant, and they told me, and I said, so people can pay real money to get those things, and they said yes, and there was a PR person in the room monitoring it. So th- there are two different stories here. Somebody's yeah. making things up. <laughs> But, and so, and so, but Randy Pitchford is now saying there won't be any cosmetic microtransactions. This is the baffling part. Like, he's he's obviously just so down far the rabbit hole of defending himself, he's not even thinking about what he's saying anymore. You know, um, I've seen I've seen him go off on one on Twitter before. So him calling someone a fuckwit, as unpleasant as it is, isn't necessarily the first time I've seen him do something like that. But, like, if, if the game has cosmetic microtransactions, he's saying plainly speaking that there won't be i don't know like i I don't wouldn't like to kind of say what that infers about them because you know it's we have sort of libel laws and stuff in this country but like that's not yeah someone needs to rein him in clearly i do think it is extremely frustrating because there already is a really crappy toxic narrative about you know the the lying media and you know the media is just trying to bring down the games industry and you know that that you know that whole thing that garbage and by having you know this this prominent a person at a major company for a major game release sitting here and calling media people fuckwits um i mean that's just playing into that and riling up people who have that attitude and it's it's not helping randy pitchford it's really not one of my big issues in my entire career as, as a journalist has been how frequently and how lazily this whole idea of journalists taking quotes out of context is and 90% of the time, it's it's the developer saying, "Oh, I wish I hadn't said that thing," and just blame it on the blame it on the journalist for not doing their job properly, because the context is what you're not seeing. They rarely there's rarely a, a way of even adding that context, and most of the time, the context is not what they're what they're explaining it to be. But it does kind of fuel this narrative that the journalists are just you know habitually picking out misleading quotes and sticking them up there and stuff. And it's just a very very easy and very very lazy way. Of someone in this instance, of someone just getting out of misspeaking on stage in public at a very, very important event, and wanting to kind of put push the blame somewhere else. Um, yeah, it is disappointing. It's not not a it's a narrative that our industry could do, do without, given the amount of problems it faces around communication, and particularly around stuff like microtransactions. It's a shame as well that it's. As you say, it's, it's kind of muddied the waters around the actual reveal. This, as Rebecca said, like this is meant to be a, have been a big positive reveal of this is what Borderlands Three is going to be, particularly on the subject of microtransactions. Because I think since since Borderlands Two and Borderlands pre sequel, we've obviously seen a lot of the looter shooters, as it were. You've got Destiny, Division, those sort of games, and those sort of games have taken almost the structure of Borderlands, the formula of Borderlands, i.e., randomly generated guns and loots and stuff. And whereas Borderlands had fun with it, those have made it much more of a grind much more of a right we're trying to retain people as much as possible and you know the whole 
backlash against random you know, microtransactions in, in full price games and loot boxes and so forth started uh, the biggest example was obviously Battlefront 2 but it started with a change to Destiny shaders the fact that Destiny shaders were used once and they're gone but it's okay because you, you can buy more with that environment, I think everyone was going into Borderlands 3 expecting, right, it's going to be online like Destiny. It's going to be riddled with nickel and dime microtransactions because all AAA games seem to be going that way. All AAA games seem to be going games as a service way and will try and you know monetize our users over as much time as possible. So for them, th- even regardless of how whether or not there are cosmetic tran- microtransactions, the, f- the, the point he was trying to make of, we're not doing randomized loot boxes we're not doing we're not charging for randomized loot boxes we're not doing any of the the monetization practices that have come under a lot of scrutiny over the last year that message alone has just been completely muddied and it should have been a positive hey borderlands is exactly what you wanted from the previous borderlands yeah there's none of this this triple a microtransaction over aggressive monetization rubbish yeah i mean it seems like pitchford ended up getting cheered for the wrong thing right like he he said something that implied that something was going to happen when you know yeah i mean i i take take the point that you know that not having that kind of loot box is exactly something that a lot of gamers would like to see but he said a word used it clumsily and got cheered on for for having kind of ruled out any kind of microtransactions. And then the, the narrative just changes, like the, the dialogue changes. It's about, is Borderlands having any microtransactions at all? When, I don't know, well, we'll have to see what happens in the game when it comes out, I suppose. But, you know, I, I'm definitely not I'm definitely not involved in this debate enough to actually genuinely be upset when a game has, I don't know, a skin you can buy to make your character look different. That, that doesn't seem to be right. problematic in any way to me. And actually, it's utterly essential to balancing the the, uh, the economics of making AAA games these days, which, you know, as, as um, Amy Hennig pointed out at a reboot quite recently, the cost of making these games has tripled or quadrupled in the last 15 years, and the price has stayed the same. So if you want these games, you do have... It's not You're not being nickel and dimed. When, when, when you've got cosmetic skins and stuff in. This is just a way of making sure those games can exist and make, make a profit over the long term. Like, I, I don't really see it as, as evidence of greed, but you know this, is all, this all stems from the fact that this whole issue, there is a lack of transparency in general about this issue. You know, like Companies being forced to disclose loot box odds and this kind of stuff. Like, there's just a huge sensitivity around this. And, and I think that Randy Pitch has been caught in the middle of it a little bit. And he's kind of reacted very, very badly when, when that happened. Right. The, the issue of microtransactions and what the, what the nature of them in Borderlands 3 in this case is maybe a little bit less important than the fact that words mean things. Which, mm-hmm. as I know we'll see when we get to one of the other stories, is going to be quite a theme for yesterday. Indeed. Segway there, James. <laughs> well, on that note, the uh, the other co- big confusion of the week with uh, Rocket League as to whether or not it's still going to be available for Steam after Epic has bought. First of all, this was a massive surprise. Epic buying Psionics seemingly out of nowhere. Because um, so, Epic haven't... The, I was trying to think, the only studio I remember Epic ever acquiring was People Can Fly, and that's because they were making... They were making Gears of War Judgment, so it was kind of a, to keep oh, things. They, they bought um, Chair Entertainment, didn't they? When they were getting into mobile. Oh yes. And they recently bought Three Lateral. I know it's not like a game dev studio, but they definitely have made acquisitions along those lines, along tech lines as well. But um, yeah, they don't do much buying. Um, but, but you know, I think that this, in a lot of ways, is it is a more interesting story because this is one I had no problem catching up on. Whereas with the the Borderlands one, you know, Rebecca is 
caught caught both of these stories just through sheer dumb luck it seems like but uh but when i got online i couldn't really catch up with what had happened in the borderlands one because some tweets had been taken down and headlines had been changed and all this stuff whereas this one's really really simple and it did seem to me i mean rebecca i don't know if this has struck you epic absolutely definitely did say that they were going to stop selling the game on steam then they issued a second statement which which sort of said that they never said that while the, yeah. uh, the original statement was still out there. Or, or rather, they were going to continue supporting it on Steam after it had hit Epic Game Store. I forget what the initial statement was, but it was like, we're going to continue to sell this game on Steam until it hits on, hit, hits, on, hits the Epic Game Store, after which we will continue to support it on Steam. That, that's a pretty the- clear... Everybody read it like that. Everybody read it as this game probably won't be on sale on Steam for too much longer. Right. The original press release statement, like exactly as it was worded, was the PC version of Rocket League will come to the Epic Games Store in late 2019. In the meantime, it will continue to be available for purchase on Steam. Thereafter, it will continue to be supported on Steam for all existing purchasers. So yeah, I read that and I think all everybody else read that as Rocket League is going to stay on Steam until it comes out on the Epic Games Store. After that, it won't be sold on Steam anymore, but it will be supported if you already own it. So yeah. I thought I thought the more interesting question at that point was, are they going to still be releasing like future DLC or you know cars and things on Steam? Like that that was the more interesting question for me. But then I uh, over at um, US Gamer our sister site Matt Kim um, kind of caught a whiff of weirdness in that statement and I guess asked them for clarity. And so they came back and they they told him we are continuing to sell Rocket League on Steam and have not announced plans to stop stel- to stop selling the game there, which okay. appears yeah. to contradict the original phrasing. So. Well, and then I emailed them about it, and they said we, and they confirmed, yeah, they haven't announced plans, but I thought they just did. So again, like words mean things. Now I don't know what the deal with it is going to be on Steam. I, I very much suspect that they are going to stop selling it on Steam. Well, uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah. so this is the thing with this particular story: is words do mean things, and they mean. And if I had to bet, if I was a rich man, I would bet a reasonable amount of money on the fact that, that they meant the first statement. That first statement absolutely means what we think it means. And if that changes now, it's not because that was never the plan. If that changes now, it will only be in, 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 um, to, to kind of sidestep some larger issue they foresee coming because of the response that they got. They absolutely announced their plans. That's what that statement means. It's not, you know, I think we, we, we can often get into the trap of thinking, well, this is how I interpreted that statement. That statement to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but that pretty much clearly states that there will be a period after which it will not be on sale on Steam and only supported on Steam. So for Epic to then say, We're, we haven't announced plans, that's not true. They announced the plans. Then when everyone, when they got contacted for clarity, and contacted for clarity generally means you said something that people might not like. We need to make sure that this is what you mean. They walked it back. That's really, it seems to be what's happened. Yeah, that's that's certainly my reading of it. And I don't. This goes into the ongoing Steam versus Epic. Oh, how dare you take away our games? Because like, I don't really see the surprise or understanding. Like, if 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 they have purchased the studio behind this game, and they're going to make the game available on their platform, which they're trying to grow, of course they will remove. They they have considered removing it or will remove it from other stores. Of course they will. Why would they Why have bought it they? otherwise? It's in, yeah, it's incredibly rare. It's it's still shocking that Microsoft didn't pull Minecraft from all the other stores. Yeah, yeah, and no, made it exactly. an exclusive. Like, because why would they keep it on? Why would they? Why would they sell their products on rival devices, or in this case, rival stores, 
Like you don't. You the whole point of a, a content portfolio is to have products that people want to drive them to your marketplace, and that's what, and, and thus remove them from the competition, or, or at least direct the, you know, direct more business to yourself. It's it's really simple logic, but this just goes back to the, this whole this pocket of Steam users that are, where well, you can't take out games. Oh, don't make me download another launcher. I'm going to have two icons on my desktop. I can't Twi- Twitter, Twitter, Twitter is going to come for you, Bats. They're going to come for you. I know. When I, I think know. I, I'd love to, I'd love to know the value of the deal because this is the thing. That deal will not be cheap. That's going to be a huge, huge value to that deal because Rocket League is mm. a very successful product. Now the only way that that deal makes sense to me, I mean, I'm you know, I, I don't suppose that I, I'm sure Epic would love to have Rocket League in house. Of course, it's a great game and so on. But you know, it, it's probably at the peak of its popularity. For me, it makes most sense as a deal if they if at a later date the only way of getting the latest Rocket League DLC is to sign up to the Epic Game Store, and then the Epic Game Store has 50 million new customers. That's the only way that deal makes any sense to me at all. So I don't see why. I don't see any incentive for Epic to not take it off Steam at a certain point. And yes, to stop making all of the content available to Steam users. I mean, maybe off a free migration, something like that. But I mean, what, what Epic seems to be trying to do more, more than anything at the moment is get more users into the eco- ecosystem of the Epic Game Store. And that will pay off in far greater value than the value of what they bought Rocket Psionics for yesterday. So I have a couple thoughts on this. The first, I actually disagree a little bit with what James said about Minecraft. I saw the Minecraft argument going around yesterday. People were like, well, Microsoft didn't pull Minecraft from all these platforms when they got it. So why would Epic pull Rocket League from Steam? And I think it's not quite a fair comparison because, I mean, I don't remember exactly what platforms Minecraft was all on when Microsoft got it, but I think console platforms are kind of a different beast than PC launchers, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't make sense for Epic Games after picking up Psionics to take Rocket League off the Nintendo Switch. Like, that that would be yeah, extremely stupid. Because, you know, Epic doesn't have their own console. Um, but even if they did, like, it's they're still making more money by having it, you know, on all these different consoles. But on PC, you know, you, you have a PC. You're not going to have a separate PC for each game launcher, right? Like, you, you have all the game launchers on the one. So I yeah. think it makes perfect sense for them not to be selling it on another storefront. Like, that, I, I agree with you in that sense. Like, that's, that's obviously the smart decision there. Yeah, um, yeah, Microsoft's also a bit of a different kind of company, and, and we're seeing more and more transparently now that Microsoft's ambitions is to be a company that sits above the games industry, that actually isn't involved in this kind of shoulder-to-shoulder war with right, individual yeah. companies. It, it never had that vision for Minecraft, and you know you can bet your bottom dollar, Microsoft was absolutely thinking about this kind of one-platform approach to its future back when it bought Minecraft. It absolutely was. Like, it never had a problem with putting on other, other consoles, because... It, I think in the ideal situation, Microsoft would want its platform to be on every console. That's kind of the way it's thinking. Whereas Epic is a very, very specific reason. And he doesn't want like it. And this is the thing. I mean, this is the problem with the, the people online and the communities and how they respond to this stuff. is that They see it as Epic versus Twitter, and uh, Epic versus Steam. And it's not Epic versus Steam. Because Epic's not trying to beat Valve. It's trying to build a sustainable ecosystem in opposition to Valve. And that's a very different thing. Valve doesn't have to go away. It's not trying to hurt Valve. It's trying to buy users. That's worth really what it is. Is what it's doing with every other game. It's paid for exclusivity, and I don't really see any reason to think that this Cyanix deal isn't is anything other than just an extremely expensive exclusivity play. 
Right. I do also think, though, um, back in 2016, Psyonix uh, had, I think, what was an interview with Game Informer, um, where they said they have this massive backlog of other projects that they want to work on. Um, they mm. were originally apparently doing like contract work. I think, I think maybe co-development work um, to kind of keep the studio going while they worked on Rocket League. But they want Rocket League to replace that revenue so they can work on new projects. So now that Epic has Psyonix, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next year or two we saw Psyonix come out with some new announcement for whatever new thing they're doing next and it's you know of course epic exclusive yeah of course but then of course there's no guarantee that science's next thing is going to be at all big or or in in, in any way in line with what rocket league has managed to achieve i, I think I, I think we're we're, at, we're in a place now where i just I, I don't i know epic's got fortnite and all of that and i know it's doing the esports thing but i still i'm still seeing everything epic does at the moment in the context of it trying to be more like a sort of a tech and services company i don't know if that's mistaken i mean, i don't see it as like fortnite developer epic i see it as unreal engine and epic game store operator epic i'm more surprised that this news wasn't immediately met with the obvious suggestion that Sinox's next game will be rocket league royale a giant football pitch that just increasingly shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. No, that would be stupid. That would be rubbish. And that would make me even worse at Rocket League than I am. That's what Sionis um, is working on next. That's <laughs> <laughs> Last big story to talk about this week. Um, and again, Rebecca, we're going to turn to you because you were there on the floor. Valve Index. Valve has finally kind of allowed, announced its own um, vir- virtual reality headset because when they first said they were going to get into VR, it turned out to be that they were working with HTC on the Vive. That was several years ago, and they've obviously continued working with HTC, but now they're going it on their own, um, essentially, with the Index. Why should I care about the Index? Because it's yet another uh, VR headset, and it's really expensive. You should not care about the Valve Index, Um Okay, good. That's my. That's nice and easy. <laughs> there are some people who definitely should care about the Valve Index. Um, when I was there, you know, they gave us this big, like, hour-long presentation about the headset, and I think, I think the big takeaway that Valve is very self-aware of, and that I think is pretty obvious to anyone who's read about this thing already, is that this is not. This is not like a mass market headset this is not like for everybody it's it's a thousand bucks for the headset the base stations and the controllers as you said earlier in the intro um this is intended they they were very they use the word high fidelity a lot this is this is the high fidelity headset this is like you know supposed to be the best equipment on the market just the best looking vr the best feeling vr all the best things um their their point was both to get high-end tech in the hands of people who really wanted it, but also they were talking about people developing for VR. And they said that the, one of the big barriers to developers who want to work in VR is that VR just isn't quite there yet in a lot of ways. Like, you know, there's still screen door effect. If you want to put text in the game, it's often very difficult to read text in VR. Um, you They want to do all these cool things with, with hands and like how you w- interact with your hands in VR. But when you're just hitting a trigger button to make things happen, it's it doesn't feel real, right? Like there's still kind of this barrier between the user and the thing they're doing with this input. So Valve's goal was to basically get rid of all these barriers for developers so that they could make some really fancy stuff. And to be fair, I mean, they I tried out the Valve Index on a whole bunch of different games and it's the fanciest VR I've ever been in. It I was able to read text. Uh, they have pretty much mostly gotten rid of Screen Door, which is really fantastic it was extremely comfortable even though i have a small head and huge glasses which never happens um so it was it's a really fancy headset and it very much at least i mean i'm not a vr expert but at least from my perspective it definitely does most of the things that they say it does um 
I do think just from a developer perspective that it will be interesting. Like, it's great that they're removing this barrier, but it's still such a high cost to entry that I don't know how profitable it would be for developers to just pick this thing up and start experimenting with what they can make in it. I presume they would have to have some kind of backing either from Valve themselves to be working on something or, you know, some other financial backing because they're not going to sell a lot of these headsets. Like... They're, they're just not. There's no way. It's way too expensive. People cannot afford this. Yeah, it's compatible with the entire Steam VR library, but so are a whole bunch of other things. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how much help this actually is. I think there will be several studios that either have Valve's backing or the backing of someone else who can take the time and put the money in and put the effort in to make some really cool things. Because I, I this hasn't been mentioned before on this podcast yet, but the controllers have all those sensors in them. So it actually tracks your individual fingers and it has a strap so you can fully let go of the controller and you can like you can point and you can like push buttons with your fingers and you can play rock, paper, scissors with a robot. And that seems kind of asinine but it's also just it's a really big deal in vr like full hand tracking motion is such a huge deal but the cost barrier is just so high and you also have to have a pc that can work with it too so like those things are so high i don't think it's going to sell too many and i think that the fact that they probably won't be able to make a ton of return on their investment um, as developers trying to make things in this is going to be a barrier to getting a lot of people actually working with the tech but i could be making that up i i don't know well, no, it's a, that seems uh, like a reasonable assessment of it. I mean, I, I, the, the question is whether or not this is what uh, the sort of flagging, ailing, isn't quite there yet VR market needs right now. I remember seeing um, when Chet Falashek was still at Valve, I can't remember what conference it was. It was years ago anyway, um, because he was there years ago. But he, his, his talk, well, one of the last, in the final year of, uh, that he was at Valve, he gave a talk. He said, like, the most important thing for VR is that everybody is able to develop for the minimum acceptable standard of input and, and kind of hardware and so on. Like So what, what the hardware companies need to be working towards is a set of standards across the board so that anyone making software can make software that can be bought and played and tried by the largest number of people. And actually, this sounds like Valve is doing the opposite. It's created hardware that kind of isn't really in line. See, I mean, particularly because Oculus actually seems to be going in the opposite direction of this, right? Bringing the price down, kind of making everything a little bit more accessible from the purely like the consumer standpoint of having a lower price, easier setup, all of this kind of stuff. Whereas this seems to be the other direction. And I'm just, I mean, it's less about is Valve going to make a return on this investment because it's a very rich company. It doesn't necessarily need to do that. It's more that there's what does this do for the VR market to have developers like tempted to make apps that can track individual fingers when that won't work on the other other two or three major headsets on the market? They that just seems like a very strange strategic choice for Valve to make, or at least a, a choice that signifies that they they don't see themselves in a kind of a race with Oculus to get the most customers. Right. I also think it's a little bit weird. I mean, it's great. They said that everything on Valve Index will be compatible with Steam VR, and they made this whole big deal about wanting to be hardware and platform agnostic. They basically, they didn't say this outright, but their whole pitch was they really don't want to have Valve Index exclusives. They're not trying to make games that are, you know, like they have, they have all this cool tech, right? Like they have the, this finger tracking and all these other neat things. Um, but they, it doesn't sound like they're going to have any games that just use that, which is good in the sense that if there's a game that I see that I really want and it 
it's only on the Valve Index, I don't feel like I'm just locked out of that game because I'm not going to buy a $1,000 headset. But it's maybe not great because you're going to, if you're having people develop for that, then they're also going to be developing for no finger tracking. And so th they're going to have to like, find weird ways around it to make it work. Like find like a setting that works for Valve Index where you can use your fingers and then a not as great setting for Steam VR, which kind of kind of makes it a little bit pointless maybe for some games. I don't know. It it's very odd. The whole thing's very odd. Uh, yeah, if you maybe if you're making stuff in VR, that finger tracking is really useful. You know, if you're actually inside the engine or whatever and doing stuff and you've got finger tracking that actually that actually opens up loads of possibilities as a developer creating an experience that that, that doesn't necessarily apply to the consumer side, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a baffling contradiction there from Valve in terms of uh, what, what Oculus is doing. It's a really odd decision as well, like to, to le or, you know, leaning towards not having exclusives because, like, you know, as we were saying with um, with the Epic Games Store, like you know, you need content exclusives to draw custom to draw draw customers. Like, and this is not. And I'm going to massively undersell how simple development is, but like this is not like um, the the 4K enhancements you get for like games on consoles. It's not like right, you know, the game runs perfectly fine without 4K, but here's an extra enhancement if you do have 4K support. This is full blown like complete new mechanics like finger tracking and like all this other tech. Like that's not a simple kind of add-on as it were or a simple thing to downscale and replace as Rebecca was saying like that's a really odd decision like, it makes me even wonder who this headset is even for well I mean I, I will say that the best experience I've ever had in VR was a sort of a completely hacked together prototype that used a vibe and uh, a sort of a glove from Leap Motion that I mean it, it, it wasn't a finished piece of hardware it was just a tech demo that kind of had full finger tracking and that was amazing like it the, the feeling of being able to pick up a virtual object like with a couple of fingers or closed fist or it's so much different to having this kind of wand that you need to grip at all times like it's it's very much like a barrier to immersion that, that kind of went unspoken in the early days of VR because everyone was like oh you can't do this or you'll break immersion you can't do this or you'll break immersion but the, the biggest barrier to immersion in VR for me has always been the fact you've got to hold on to these two poles at all times that doesn't make sense, you know. So I, the finger tracking yeah. is a very, very exciting development. But, like, it's also a weird week for that to be announced because it's exactly the same week that Oculus said it was shipping its, you know, the, the, the Quest, which is, again, it's the opposite direction, isn't it? It's like it's no cable, it's no base station PC, it doesn't need cameras, it's $399 all in, it's lower resolution than the Rift. Uh, you know, it, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a dumbed-down but acceptable version of VR that's all about smoothing people's path into the experience, but without any of these bells and whistles that Valve has just added. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean about the uh, the immersion of a of a wand. I think the one the one there are limits to how to the types of games where the wand controller can feel immersive. The the one example I'm thinking of is I played the uh, style Star Wars Trials of Tatooine demo. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it was GDC a good few years ago, and yeah, when you're you know pressing buttons to repair the Millennium Falcon, it doesn't feel immersive at all but as soon as you've got your hand on a, a lightsaber the hilt of which is roughly the same sort of size as a Vive controller then you feel like a Jedi well yeah I, I, I personally thought that demo was absolute rubbish myself but <laughs> it seemed like a film trailer that we just like had a few interactive segments hacked into it but Becca you, Becca, you tried Beat Saber in this thing right did you feel like a Jedi in that 
I had never played Beat Saber before, and this was an event with a bunch of VR specialist sites and experts, and they're all just coolly playing Beat Saber, and I'm over there, like, yelling and laughing, because I was just having so much fun. Um, I also played a game called Boneworks, which I think really illustrated how different that finger tracking is. Um, I, I, I don't really understand exactly what was happening, but at different points I was picking up a crowbar and a mallet and a gun to try to take down these weird little robot enemies, and I had to physically reach down, pick up the gun with my hand, um, load it with my, like, using my fingers, like, in my hands, load the gun, and then actually, like, have my finger on the trigger while I was holding the gun. And I had to keep holding the gun, and I had to fight, like, move my finger on the trigger to shoot it. Like, not the, not the trigger on the controller, but, like, my, mm. it was the motion sensing. And it, it's such a difference instead of just, like, pushing a button. Like, I kept accidentally dropping the gun and the ammo because I just wasn't used to it, but it ended up being hilarious and fun and strange and really it felt so much more meaningful than just pushing a button and so they have that right i i i'm very much looking forward to when this technology gets cheaper <laughs> yeah and and i think and and like a combination i think for me because the, the quest is getting really really good reviews from a lot of different places but you know i think what i think i want is i want the index but i want it at 400 bucks and i want it to be self-contained and i don't want it to have a wire and i, I just this week has really underlined for me that VR is still quite far away from where I want it to be to actually be a VR player on a regular basis. It's still really early. I mean, this sort of product really underlines how early we still are in, in VR in terms of the limits the limits of what you can do with the technology without a wire and then the limits in terms of letting people in without the price point. Like I said, you know, 10, 20 years from now, that sort of thing will be, you know, that will be a $100 product maybe. Hmm. Yeah, well, you, you have to wonder, I mean, you know, it's from the very first rift being on Kickstarter, like there's been various predictions of when the market will be sustainable for consumers and, and for, for lots of developers to be involved and only be game developers and not have to take on all these enterprise contracts and stuff. And the, these these are two, the, the two most significant launches from the two biggest players in the market since the first wave of hardware. And you have to wonder what the predictions are now. Are, are, are either of these products going to be the reason why uh, a proper proper market, a proper marketplace for, for VR that lots of developers can can sustainably exist in? Are they going to be the reason why that finally happens? And I, I've, I haven't used the hardware, but I've looked at a lot of writing about the hardware, and I'm just I'm still not convinced that we're we're really anywhere near that. On that ponderous note, then, we have run out of time for this week. We'll be back next week with more industry discussion of the biggest headlines. In the meantime, you can find our previous episodes over on all good podcasting platforms. I'm not going to list them because Brendan doesn't believe that they exist. (laughs) And uh, you can find your daily dose of news, insight and analysis at gamesindustry.biz. (laughs) 